Good evening and welcome to tonight's edition of This One Life, Stories That Shape You. I'm Sharon Witt. Well, my guest on tonight's show was interviewed by me a year ago when she came onto the show to chat about her life as a youth worker and endurance athlete. In 2020, Beck represented Australia in the World Marathon Challenge, which involved running seven marathons on seven continents in seven days. Beck is now one of only 164 people in the world to have completed the challenge. Not being content with competing in the World Marathon Challenge, this year Beck auditioned and earned her place in Channel 7's SAS Australia, currently airing this week and next, putting her strength and resilience to the ultimate test. When she's not pushing her body to the limit, She's also Executive Officer of Bridge Builders Youth Charity that works with disadvantaged young people. Welcome back to the show, Beck. Thank you, Sharon. It's so good to be with you again. First of all, Beck, um, I have to say we do know each other um, outside of the show. So I do, I have followed your journey, obviously. We've known each other for a long time. But first of all, Beck, what the heck? What on <laughs> earth? What on earth? What on earth um, did you, were you thinking? You know, when, when you complete, competed in uh, the um, seven marathons in seven days in seven continents, I thought you were crazy then. I thought, wow, this, this girl is off the charts um, with what you put your body and mind into. But then to now see you on SAS Australia, I'm... I have no words. I just, I cannot believe that you put yourself in that position. What possessed you to audition for that show? <laughs> Look, it's such a good question. Obviously, you know that I love pushing myself outside my comfort zone and doing really, really crazy activities like the World Marathon Challenge. And yes, lots of people thought I was pretty crazy to take that on. Um, and then when it came to SAS Australia, it wasn't actually something that was even on my radar. I actually got an email um, from a mutual friend of ours, Gianna, yes. and she said, you would be perfect for this. And I took one look at it and I thought, you know what, I've seen the first series of the celebrity season that they did and I knew that it was going to be absolutely brutal. And I thought, you know what, this is a really great challenge and I am going to audition and I'm going to give it a crack. <laughs> Beck, for me, a challenge would be um, getting my hair cut short. Now, that's an ultimate challenge for me doing something like that, not putting my body through the absolute limits. Um, so you chose this because you thought, well, I haven't challenged myself enough in life yet. <laughs> well, I guess, yeah, like obviously the last two years have been pretty quiet. I did the World Marathon Challenge and came back to a very different world with all that's going on. And there hasn't really been a lot of, um, you know, endurance races. I'm obviously an endurance athlete. I love competing. I haven't been able to do any of that in the last 18 months, two years. So when this came across my lap, I was like, you know what, this is, this is something I would love to do, something I really like to test myself in. I've got no idea how I'm going to go, but I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to give it a crack. And there we go. I got in. <laughs> so, so talk me through the audition challenge, uh, the, the process. How did that take place? Like, do you know how many people applied for it? I would say probably 15. <laughs> <laughs> the whole Look, country. There was actually thousands of applications from across the whole country and the 14 participants that got chosen ended up being from almost every state um, and territory in Australia so there was a huge representation um, and out of the thousands of applications they obviously saw that there was something special about me or something and they just 
said, yep, you're in. So, um, yeah, the, the process was quite lengthy. It took a couple of weeks to get through um, yeah. everything from sort of the online application to video applications to in-person interviews. And it was challenging with, you know, all the lockdowns and things like that. But um, just continued to progress until the point where they said, yep, we're, we're really liking what we're seeing and we'd love to have you on the show. <laughs> Wow. Well, the show kicked off uh, just this week on Tuesday. Um, they're two-hour episodes and they're pretty brutal, to be honest. And, and knowing you, and I know um, other mutual friends of ours have found it quite challenging to watch you, um, you know, being put in those sorts of um, situations. And it has been really difficult, um, I must say. But first of all, how did the process happen between, obviously, you're born and bred in Melbourne. How did you, how did you get to where it is recorded. Do you, you jumped on a plane. Um, where did you go to? Do you know? Do you even know yeah. where you were? <laughs> <laughs> Look, not really. They keep you in the dark quite a lot um, because of the style of the show, I guess. Yeah. Um, so, you know, the, it is a TV show at the end of the day. So there's obviously pre-show interviews and all that sort of stuff. So I just basically got on a plane out of Melbourne, flew to Sydney, and then the rest was up to them. So I just landed and went with whatever instructions that came next. There was definitely a couple of days pre-show where we had to sort of just do all the, the things that you would normally have to do for any TV show. And then um, I guess they kind of just handed us over to the DS, the directing staff, and then... Yeah, it just kind of unraveled from there. So there was a lot of pre-production, but as soon as we got onto the course, it was, um, yeah, it was definitely in the hands of the DS. <laughs> wow. So you get on a bus and you don't know where you're going. You obviously meet all the fellow contestants there. Um, did you have any idea what you were in for? On that bus, on that very first day, did you think, oh, yeah, it's going to be like going on camp, but it'll probably be, there'll be lots of challenges. Did you have any idea what you're getting yourself in for? We had absolutely no idea. So I remember saying to the producers after the show, like that bus siege was the best way to start. Oh. <laughs> it was just it was so intense. And like, of course, we hadn't really met the other participants, the other recruits. So, you know, you've just thrown 14 people that don't know one another and who are pretty outgoing on a bus together. And we are having the time of our life, you know, talking to one another, getting to know each other. Where are you from? What do you do? And then like, you know, two hours of travel and then all of a sudden there's a helicopter and people are yelling and we just are like, what is going on? <laughs> we had no clue what was coming our way. It was just such a surprise. So talk me through the siege. Talk, talk me through that, what happened. Talk, talk me through <laughs> how you were feeling and what was going through your mind. It was like the peak of anticipation. We were just all so excited to finally be able to talk to one another and get to know one another. And so we were just excited to be on a bus and, and be hanging out and, and actually getting started, I guess. It wasn't until we saw the helicopter and we saw the face, like the facial expression on the DS, and we're like, ooh, they mean business. Like that was not a smile. <laughs> And um, the helicopter actually stopped the bus. The bus stopped in the middle of the road. They oh. jumped out of the helicopter down these ropes like out of some movie scene. <laughs> We're watching the thing unfold, just being like, oh, like, what is happening? And my heart just dropped into my stomach. And I thought, you know what, this is, this is the moment. Like, it is starting and it's starting now. <laughs> so those facial expressions, <laughs> how you reacted, that's, that's legit. That was just, we have no idea what's going on. We haven't been prepared going... Now, in 10 minutes, we're going to be stopping and then we're going to start. Uh, this is when it's going to get real. There was none of that. No preparation for you guys to go, oh, okay, we know what's happening. 
no preparation whatsoever. If there was one consistency throughout the entire course, it was that the DS are in control and you have no idea what's happening. And at any point, anything can happen. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, the first episode um, that, that uh, went to air on, on Tuesday night saw you getting in a pretty brutal fight. Um, that was with um, your number nine, wasn't it? Yes. And you, you know, you came out a bit, you know, a bit bloodied and a bit sore. Oh, that was so tough. What was that like? Like, honestly, have you ever boxed before? Have you ever, you know, had a punch on with someone? <laughs> Look, I grew up with a twin brother and uh, we probably did a bit of rough and tumble when I was a kid, but nothing prepares you for, for that style of scenario. Mm. It literally was like out of a movie or a military scene. Um, you know, they're, they're preparing you saying that you're, the people that are standing next to you have literally become the enemy. You have to go full noise because it's either you or it's them. So if you don't defend yourself, if you don't do a good job you're probably going to get sent home <laughs> and um, you could be in a really serious situation where someone's like literally doing some pretty big damage to your face so um, going in it was very frightening it was um, it was quite confronting I know a lot of people did struggle to watch that especially yeah. watching me like it's one thing to watch a celebrity and and you kind of know of them but when it's someone you know I know that it was quite difficult for people to watch um, and yes I chose a guy <laughs> lots of my friends afterwards are like why did you not choose a girl what's wrong with you <laughs> because you're um, always up for challenge Beck that is exactly why you're not going to go the yeah. easy route Ever. Exactly, exactly. Like I'm there to challenge myself. I have no boxing experience. I have no clue what I'm doing, but I'm going to give it my best shot. And, you know, my helmet didn't fit properly and some things went wrong, but I stood my ground as best as I could. And you're right, you know, he got a few punches in right into my face and ended up oh. with a blood nose. So it made for good TV. <laughs> it did. And did you get hurt? Like you were actually hurt in the, during that? No, not really. Afterwards, I, it was just a bit bruised and a bit sore, but I didn't, you know, break my nose or didn't have any breaks, I guess, or anything serious. So I was pretty lucky to walk away with just a blood nose. <laughs> uh, I have so many questions and I know we've, we've got a couple of minutes before the break, but I just wanted to ask, um, what was it like living in close quarters with, with all those people, um, the other 13 people, and did you get much sleep? <laughs> so first question close quarters um, that wasn't actually too bad like I know we were all strangers but I've done a lot of uh, like camping and things yeah, in my yeah. life so for me that was that was kind of not really much of a muchness I was just like yeah this is part of the show this is how it is uh, sleep was non-existent <laughs> Okay. So, you know, the DS would just wake you up at one o'clock in the morning and thrash you physically for two hours and then you'd go back to bed for an hour and then you'd get woken up again. And it was just, yeah, sleep was non-existent. Um, it was just not something that we had the privilege of. <laughs> and they do say lack of sleep is a form of torture. I mean, they actually use that against enemies, you know, in wars to deprive them of sleep to try and get them to talk. And I mean, I know this is movies as well, but I do know that, that they do, you know, use sleep deprivation deprivation um, as, a, as a form of punishment. So they were really throwing the whole gamut to you, weren't they? They really were. And sleep deprivation was definitely a big part of just the fatiguing process. They really are intentional about breaking you down physically and mentally and emotionally. It's sort of like a chip, chipping away at the, at the block and the, the sleep deprivation just adds to that because you're, you're already tired, you're sleep deprived, you don't have a lot of food and then you're being asked to, you know, take on some very physically and, and mentally demanding tasks. And I guess that's the point, you know, they want you depleted. They want you running on an empty tank to see, 
see how much you've got. So, uh, yeah, sleep deprivation was massive. <laughs> oh, Beck, you certainly had a lot in the tank. And uh, after the break, we're going to chat more about your time on SAS Australia. And I'm going to start with the ladder challenge that uh, I viewed on Tuesday night, which was um, pretty brutal. So stick with us. We'll be back with more after the break. Welcome back. You're listening to This One Life, Stories That Shape You. I'm Sharon Witt, and we are chatting this evening with superstar uh, Beck Mitchell, who is currently uh, in the season of uh, SAS Australia on Channel 7, and she has been putting her her body and her mind to the limits. And uh, before the break, we were chatting about her audition and getting into the program. And uh, Beck, it's, it's safe to say it's been, it was a pretty brutal experience. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I've done some challenging things in my life, but that was, that was certainly up there in one of the most challenging things I've ever taken on for sure. <laughs> yeah. Back on Tuesday night's um, episode, I sat there with my kids and um, we were watching the ladder challenge where you're on a speedboat and I assume it's a speedboat and you jump off into the ocean and you've got to swim against the, all the waves and the helicopters, whatever you call it. There'll be, there'll be a, there'll be a, um, a proper term for that, you know, when the helicopter has its spray and causes all that turbulence. And then you've got to find your way to the ladder and climb up, uh, up to the helicopter. Now, I don't even know if I'd be able to jump off the speedboat, first of all, um, but that was pretty, pretty tough for you, wasn't it? Um, talk us through that. Yeah, look, that was definitely one of the more demanding tasks for me. I'm definitely not a strong swimmer. I'm a runner. I need to stick on the land. Yes. <laughs> um, so going into that challenge, again, it it's all pretty um, it's all pretty brutal. It's all pretty challenging. But that for me, um, it was exciting in the sense of like, oh, my gosh, there's a helicopter and this is like James Bond style out of a movie and this is an extraordinary experience. But then in the back of my mind, I thought, you know what, this is going to be a really tough ask mm. and I'm really going to have to focus and, and put as much of my energy into to getting this done as possible. Uh, we started on the boat and that wasn't too bad. I've been a surf lifesaver, so I've been around IRBs all my life and that wasn't too daunting. But when you hit the water... It is like freezing cold and you almost go into shock to start with. And then the helicopter comes in overhead and drops the, the metal ladder down in front of you. And you're right, the, the downdraft is what it's called off That's the helicopter it. blade, pushes enormous amounts of wind and water and off spray into your mouth and towards you. It is, it is excruciating to try and just swim to the ladder far less you know fight the downdraft as well and um, I definitely found myself in a situation where no matter how hard I tried and no matter how hard I tried to swim um, the ladder just got further and further away mm. from me so definitely ended up in a situation where I had been swimming for a few minutes and it just was going south pretty quickly and I asked the um, the rescue boat to come over and pull me out of the water because I just couldn't swim anymore. <laughs> yeah. Were you actually really quite frightened at that point? Like when you put your hand up to say, I need help, did you really need help? Like were you just like, nah, it's not going to happen? Yeah, I tried a couple of times to think of some different strategies. So freestyle wasn't working. I was like literally drinking the water. So I turned onto my back and I tried doing backstroke. <laughs> It wasn't ideal because I then couldn't see where I was going or what I was doing. And then obviously that didn't work. So I turned back to freestyle and then it just inhaled more water again. Um, and so I put my hand up thinking like, you're in serious trouble here. You're not drowning yet, but you're pretty close. And when I put my arm up, they didn't actually 
come and get me the first time. <laughs> they were like, oh, now she's got more left in the tank. And they kind of left me there. So then even after, you know, kind of asking for help, I had to turn around and try again. And I sort of swam in a different direction trying to avoid the downdraft of the helicopter. But you just couldn't. It, it, you just had to either get through it or they would pull you out. So just got to the point where I was starting to go under and then they came and got me. And yeah, yeah. I, I vomited some water up after you that. Did. So I definitely tried. You did. And the DS was like, I thought it was a, it was a bit of a backhand. Like, you know, he, you were saying I used to be a surf lifesaver. He goes, well, I wouldn't want to be in the water drowning if it was you. And I thought, oh, they, they're so brutal, aren't they? They just want to give you, you know, kick you while you're down, why don't they? Yeah, they're quite witty. Like I got up into the into the boat and I'm like coughing up water and one of the DS said to me, he's like, you know, you're not a fish, right? Yes. Oh, that was amazing. Oh. So, um, and I also want to say while I was watching that, you know, we were, I was watching it with my kids and um, I was remembering back, like I know it's brutally cold, but one of your marathons, you ran in freezing, freezing temperatures. And I was telling the kids, you know, we talked about this on the show last year, that um, you were running, it was below zero, well below zero. You couldn't drink water. You couldn't eat any of your protein bars because everything was frozen. You know, you're crying and you were just, you know, it is brutal. So, so you do know tough challenges. It wasn't like this was a shock to the system and you're like, I haven't been in this sort of situation before. You've done cold and you've done tough. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I went in knowing that I did have, I guess, a bit of experience on the resume, like, you know, running a marathon in minus 25 in the Antarctic is not something that, you know, a lot of people have done. So I did have that confidence, you know, in the back of my mind of, you know, you can take on some pretty significant challenges. Uh, But it all comes down to the moment where you are um, at that time. And, you know, it had already been a significant amount of time. Again, you're already exhausted and you're getting thrown, you know, in the water with your boots on and you're fully clothed and you're freezing. And it was just challenging. And I guess it's meant to be. And really, you just have to have the courage in the moment to try and to do your best. And as much as I wish in that scenario that I, you know, would have got to the ladder and had the opportunity to try and climb up into the helicopter, um, it just wasn't my day and it wasn't my moment. And I just, you know, I accept that. I tried my best and it didn't work and that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. You've got nothing to be um, apologetic about. Um, Later in that same episode, there was the specialist equipment challenge. Um, They were 50 kilos. I am 50 kilos at the moment. So you were essentially having to drag me or pick me up. So talk (laughs) us through that. And that was was a great challenge. It was a fantastic challenge and coming off the back of the um, the ladder troop extraction helicopter challenge, um, they actually did a lineup where the all the recruits had to pick who they thought were weakest on the team and one of the votes got thrown my way it and I did. thought oh, that, that's something I'm going to have to sort of bounce back from because obviously nobody wants to get chosen as a weak team member and at that point I thought to myself the DS have got three people that have been chosen and they're going to they're going to make a step up and lead and it's exactly what they did so we had the the equipment challenge it was a combined weight for the tires of 250 kilos and then each of us also had our 20 kilo bergens on our back so you know it was it was a lot of weight we were dragging for like about 4 kilometers up and down a mountain <laughs> And I mean, I guess it does replicate a real life military equipment scenario. Um, And I was asked to step up and lead a team of three uh, of the recruits. And um, we had to just drag these tyres relentlessly over really rugged terrain. 
Um, and it took us ages. It took us such a long period of time. It must have been hours. I don't really know because it's just all the blur. <laughs> yeah. But um, it was a really difficult challenge physically, mentally. So many times I just thought to myself, like, I'm not doing a good enough job. This is too physically demanding. I'm already, you know, failing, I guess, after the ladder troop extraction. So, yeah, lots of things going through my mind about how to keep going. Um, and there was other, two other teams as well that were in the same scenario. Yeah, look, I looked, I looked at the very start of that course and it instantly reminded me of hiking at the prom, Wilson's Promontory, in my year sevens and, you know, carrying 15 kilos on my back um, and looking at that terrain straight away, I looked at it and thought, look at all those tree roots that I would trip over instantly. So forget about even dragging any weight or any of that. I couldn't have just walked a straight line along that. I would have been tripping over <laughs> all over the place. Um, it was actually a massive challenge as well. Like you're saying, yeah. there's stuff everywhere. And, you know, we're dragging 250 kilos. You can't lift that. You can't just pick it no. up and put it over the top of the tree root. You have to manoeuvre it around all the stones and the, the trees. And it was, it was excruciating. <laughs> yeah. Now, Beck, each of the... Um, each of the contestants um, are dragged into interrogation at, at some stage. It did make me laugh. I was watching one of the scenes where they put on the black thing over your head and then goggles. Don't ask me why, why do you need goggles over the black hood? That just sort of made me laugh. Talk, talk to me about that. Yours was very emotional. Talk us through your interrogation with the, with the DS. Yeah, so I sort of felt like I knew that it was coming. Um, it had been a pretty tough day. I'd stepped up in the in the leadership challenge with the, the equipment and I felt like I'd almost sort of redeemed my failure with the ladder um, and just got to the point where I thought, you know what, they're going to bring me in for questioning and I'm sure they're going to have some pretty tough questions. I was already pretty exhausted. So when I got in there, um, they started asking questions and I think I was almost just at that point where I was so tired. I just started bawling my eyes out <laughs> and I was trying to sort of hold back the tears and answer their questions and, um, you know, do as best I could in that interrogation is really what it replicates. Um, but it was quite emotional. I, I talked a lot about some of the challenges I've been through in my life and, and how I've, you know, developed my resilience and come out the other side. And they, they definitely went pretty hard and they had some negative criticism or some constructive feedback to yeah. give me sort of saying that, you know, you've got to pick up your game or you're going home. So, um, yeah, it wasn't great. Uh, but, I mean, you know, I was quite emotional in front of the whole nation and um, I'm hoping people just really see the heart behind it and what I was trying to do for me and to inspire other people. Oh, inspire you did. Um, like, you, you had nothing else to prove. You've never had anything to prove as far as I'm concerned, but even completing the World Marathon Challenge, I thought, you know, my goodness, uh, you could lie on your back for the rest of your life and do nothing and I still think you've achieved everything. Now, I mean, okay, so um, are you allowed to tell us what happened on Tuesday night? Talk us through those final moments. Yeah, so Tuesday night's episode's already aired, so I'm free to talk. Um, basically, after the interview, uh, we went to bed or to sleep in, a, in attempt of sleep, and then um, they got us up at God knows what time in the morning and put us through another, what they call beasting, which is just a physical thrashing, um, and it went for like an hour, and it was ridiculous. And they had ice baths, which is probably my downfall. Oh. So I was in an ice bath for a considerable amount of time in about minus five degrees um, and it was just excruciating and I was spent so I yeah. you know tried as hard as I could for a long time in that beasting but just got to the point where I peeled my armband off and I said stuff I'm done I'm going home I can't do this anymore <laughs> yeah oh Beck there is no shame in that my goodness um, out of 14 people um, to be chosen out of thousands of people in this country my goodness 
you've done not only yourself proud, but you've done our country proud, seriously. Um, Beck, if I, can, if I can give you two things, what's two things that you got out of this experience that will oh, help you moving forward? Yeah, for sure. Um, look, I always knew that I was pretty tough, but the, the tire challenge for me was the moment where I knew I had to step up and lead. And obviously leadership is something that I have some experience in and it just reaffirmed to me that when it really counts in the matters that in, in the moments that mean the most, I can step up and lead and I can, I can do a really good job in that area. So I was so pleased with the outcome of that. Um, and then just the courage to try really extraordinary things. Um, you know, courage is, is something that you don't get until you do it. And, you know, we are all afraid of t- times of things that we want to do, um, opinions people are going to have. And I just continue to push myself outside my comfort zone and have the courage to try things that seem almost impossible. And I think that that is, um, yeah, just something that I'll continue to take into everything that I do in my life and in my daily life. (laughs) You're incredible, Beck. And I know that um, all the young people that you work with through Ridge Builders uh, will also be absolutely inspired by you. And you certainly, um, you certainly walk the talk, uh, Beck. And I am beyond, um, beyond proud of you. And um, I know I speak uh, on, from all your friends, we are extremely proud of you and well done. And I can't wait. Or can I wait? I don't know. Can I wait to see what you do next? I've got to, pre- <laughs> I've got to prepare myself. Thanks so much, Beck, for joining us. No worries. Thanks for having me. And that's all we have time for tonight. You've been listening to This One Life, Stories That Shape You. My special guest, Beck Mitchell. And I look forward to your company next time.